section nineteen of the mysteries of london volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the mysteries of london volume three by george w m reynolds chapter nineteen mr frank curtis's pleasant adventure about half an hour previous to the visit of lord ellingham mr frank curtis was lounging along piccadilly with a swell mob kind of ease and a bag nig wells independence when a young female of good figure and pretty face attracted his notice as he was proceeding in one way and she in another they passed each other and mr curtis having nothing to do it struck him that he would endeavour to scrape an acquaintance with the young person alluded to he accordingly turned round hesitated for a moment how to devise an excuse for addressing himself to her and then drawing forth his own white cambric pocket-handkerchief hurried after the object of his interest i beg your pardon miss he said tapping her gently upon the shoulder but i think you dropped this handkerchief the young female immediately replied in the negative but a smile played upon her lips and her blue eyes assumed an arch expression implying that she fully saw through the young man's trick which was indeed transparent enough i really thought it was yours miss exclaimed curtis by no means abashed but if it isn't why i must keep it till i find the owner that's all i rather think it is with the owner now sir answered the young woman well my dear said frank i see you suspect my stratagem but you are such a sweet pretty creature that i was resolved to introduce myself to you now don't be angry my love i mean all i assert and if you will only tell me where and when i can see you again i'm sure you won't be sorry to make my acquaintance upon my word cried the young woman in that dubious manner which might have meant disgust or which might be taken as encouragement mr curtis strong in his self-conceit adopted the latter view and became more pressing in his attentions now do let me see you again there's a dear he exclaimed continuing to walk by her side if you'll only agree to meet me this evening i'll take you to the play and i'll buy you a gold chain money is no object to me my love a man with ten thousand a year and a peerage in the perspective may indulge his little fancies i hope these falsehoods conveyed by implication were uttered in such a tone of assurance that the young woman was evidently dazzled by their splendour and she threw a rapid but encouraging glance towards the mendacious frank come now will you meet me again he demanded i was going over to stay a few days with the prime minister of france early next month and i had promised to pass my christmas with his holiness the pope at rome but if you was only kind now why there's no saying that i might not send excuses to both of them and stay in london for the pleasure of seeing you but you men are such gay deceivers said the young female well we may be sometimes ejaculated frank rather looking upon the imputation as a compliment than a reproach but you're too pretty for a man to find it in his heart to deceive you my dear in one word where shall you be at seven o'clock this evening i did think of calling upon a friend which is lady's maid in a family living in conduit street replied the young woman and if your friend is a lady's maid my dear said frank what may you be the same sir 
was the answer the very thing cried curtis if there's one class of young ladies that i like more than another it is the ladies maids why my dear when i left paris where i stayed some time with the archbishop of that city for his grace and i are as thick as two thieves the ladies maids held a meeting and appointed a committee to draw up an address expressive of regret and all that sort of thing at my going away they did upon my honour but let us come to the point my dear shall you be in conduit street this evening at about seven i think it's very likely sir was the answer but you must not go with me any farther now for i live at the house with the bay windows there but whose service are you in my dear asked frank in lady georgiana hatfield's replied the young woman indeed cried curtis i've heard an uncle of mine speak of her ladyship i think but this is a great nuisance though what is asked charlotte whom our readers may remember to have been mentioned at the opening of this tale why that you and me must separate just at the moment that we are getting so friendly together and without a single kiss either charlotte giggled but said nothing you will really be in conduit street this evening my dear urged frank curtis after a brief pause i think i shall be able to get out responded charlotte but her ladyship is an invalid and miss mordaunt her friend or companion or whatever she is may want me to dress her for some ball or party and so i cannot promise for sure but you will try yes murmured the young woman and she hurried on to the front door of lady hatfield's house curtis stopped at a short distance and watched her as she tripped along her pretty feet and ankles peering from beneath the folds of her dress now it happened that at the very moment when charlotte was about to ring the bell the front door opened and a livery servant issued forth doubtless upon some errand after exchanging a word or two with charlotte he passed on and the young woman entered the house but ere she closed the door she turned a sly glance upon frank curtis who the instant he saw the livery servant make his appearance sauntered very leisurely along in the most innocent-looking manner in the world the livery servant was now out of sight and the pretty face of the lady's maid lingered at the door which she kept ajar curtis looked hastily around and the coast being tolerably clear at the moment he darted up to the entrance charlotte had merely remained on the threshold to give him a parting glance of intelligence for the purpose of assuring him of the sincerity of her promise that she would endeavour to meet him in the evening for the young lady was of an intriguing disposition and flattered herself that she had captivated some very great or at all events some very wealthy person but when she saw him thus precipitately rush towards the entrance she drew back and endeavoured to shut the door frank was however too quick for her and he fairly thrust himself into the hall closing the street door behind him for god's sake go away sir said charlotte imploringly not till i have had one kiss just one cried frank and he threw his arms round the lady-maid's neck oh do let me go sir the servants will come and i shall be ruined she murmured vainly struggling with the young man who not only considered the adventure a capital joke but was also excited by his present contact with a pretty girl he glued his lips to hers and pressed her closely to him when a loud double knock suddenly echoed through the hall good heavens what shall i do exclaimed charlotte in a tone of despair 
then in another moment she recovered her presence of mind and throwing open a side door said in a rapid and earnest tone go in there sir and if any one comes pray invent some excuse for your being here but don't compromise me curtis darted into the parlour with which the side door communicated the lady's maid hurried away and old mason speedily made his appearance to answer the summons conveyed by the double knock is miss mordaunt at home inquired a voice which curtis who was listening anxiously on the inner side of the parlour door immediately recognised to be that of his worthy uncle yes sir christopher miss mordaunt is at home replied mason please to walk in sir this way sir miss mordaunt is with lady hatfield in the drawing-room i wish to see miss mordaunt alone if you please said sir christopher give my compliments and if miss mordaunt will accord me a few minutes upon some little matter of a private nature certainly sir christopher responded the domestic have the goodness to step into this room sir and frank curtis now as miserable as he was insolent and exulting a few moments previously when embracing charlotte in the hall heard the footsteps of mason and his uncle approaching the very door at which he was listening not a moment was to be lost he was too much confused too much bewildered to think of meeting the embarrassment of his position with a good face and a bold excuse and concealment instantly suggested itself to his coward mind a cheerful fire was burning in the grate and near it was drawn a sofa the cushion of which had rich fringes that hung all round and drooped nearly to the carpet to thrust himself beneath this friendly sofa was the work of an instant with frank curtis and so rapidly was the manoeuvre executed that the fringes had even ceased to rustle when sir christopher blunt stalked pompously into the apartment mason withdrew to deliver the knight's message to miss mordaunt and in the meantime the knight himself paced the room in somewhat an agitated manner at length he walked straight up to a handsome mirror and looking fully at his image as it was reflected in the glass began to apostrophize himself sir christopher blunt sir christopher blunt he exclaimed aloud in a solemn tone what is it that you are about to do are you taking a wise or an imprudent step are you in a word about to ensure your own happiness or or to make a damned old fool of yourself frank curtis was astounded at this language which came from the lips of his uncle despite of his fears and the unpleasant predicament in which he found himself he was on the point of yielding to his natural propensity for mischief and blurting forth an affirmative response to the latter portion of the knight's self-interrogation when the door opened and a lady entered the room curtis accordingly held his peace and his breath too as much as he could for his curiosity was now so intense as to master even his fears miss mordaunt said the knight suddenly turning away from the glass and advancing as jauntily as his massive frame would permit to meet the lady i have to apologize for this early visit oh no apology sir christopher exclaimed julia in a most affable manner pray be seated allow me said the knight and taking her hand he led her to the very sofa beneath which his nephew lay concealed then seating himself at a respectful distance from her but also on the sofa he continued thus i hope miss mordaunt that i shall not offend you with what i am going that is with what i am about 
i mean with what i am on the point of very intelligible all this thought frank curtis to himself sir christopher blunt is incapable of offending a lady especially a young one observed miss julia blushing in the most approved style on such interesting occasions for she could anticipate what was coming sir christopher blunt thanks you for that compliment miss mordaunt said the knight pompously and encouraged also by the lady's tone and manner yes i am indeed incapable of giving offence wilfully although there are certain vulgar people east of temple bar who pretend that i treat them cavalierly and thank heaven miss mordaunt i was not elected alderman of portsoken for i never could have put up with all the filthy guzzling and swilling excuse the expressions ma'am that seem inseparable from city affairs you know perhaps miss mordaunt that my origin was humble i may say that it was nothing at all but i glory in that fact it is my boast my pride true merit is sure to force its way in the world sir christopher observed julia with a smile which displaying her white teeth quite enchanted the amorous knight again i thank you for the good opinion of me implied by that remark he said edging himself a little closer to the lady my large fortune for large it notoriously is miss mordaunt has all been acquired by my own honest industry and the title which i have the honour to bear was bestowed upon me by a gracious prince in approbation of my conduct as a public officer you occupy an enviable position in society sir christopher said julia do you really think so miss asked the knight endeavouring to assume a soft and plaintive tone but with as little success as if he were a boatswain labouring under a severe cold do you really think so and again he edged himself nearer to his companion ah my dear miss mordaunt how happy should i be to lay my fortune my title my all at the feet of some charming lady who like yourself would not despise the man that has risen by his own honest exertions to i may say affluence and honour miss mordaunt cast down her eyes and worked herself up into a most interesting state of blushing excitement while sir christopher boldly took her hand and pressed it to his lips the knight's foot was thrust some little way under the sofa and as he wore blutcher boots it was not difficult to stick a pin into the calf of his leg if any one had felt so disposed such an idea certainly struck his dutiful nephew at that instant for mr frank curtis now fully comprehended the object of his uncle's visit to miss julia mordaunt and the matrimonial designs of the said uncle foreboded anything but essential benefit to himself then although he was not the brightest young man in existence the selfish motive of sir christopher in agreeing to purchase mr torrens's elder daughter as his frank's wife flashed upon his mind and in an instant he comprehended the entire policy of sir christopher as well as the reader already understands it with regard to the recent matrimonial speculation which tom rainford had so materially aided to render abortive 
we digressed just at the point where sir christopher was venturesome enough to press the hand of miss mordaunt to his lips oh sir christopher murmured the lady apparently quite abashed and forgetting most probably in the agitation of the moment to withdraw her fair fingers julia my love for so you must now permit me to call you exclaimed the enamoured knight will my suit be rejected can you receive it favourably at this moment you see before you a man whom it is in your power to render happy or miserable for life and ah dear me what a dreadful dream i had last night it was that dream which made me come to you so early to-day to know your decision for whether it was your image my beloved julia or the cold roast pig that i eat for dinner i'm sure i can't say but true it is that oh screamed the knight in a fit of agony my dear sir christopher what what is the matter asked miss mordaunt alarmed by the sudden ejaculation which was accompanied by an equally sudden start oh nothing nothing said the knight endeavouring to compose himself a sudden twitch in the leg just like the pricking of a pin but it is nothing a mere sensation i was going to tell you my dear julia about that horrid dream pray sir christopher don't tell me anything about horrid dreams exclaimed miss mordaunt you will frighten me out of my wits well dearest i will not but you have not told me yet whether i may consider that this fair hand which i now press to my lips oh and again the knight started violently what is the matter sir christopher asked julia earnestly really i can't make it out i don't know but this is the second time that the same sensation has seized me in the left leg stammered the knight just for all the world like the pricking of a pin and yet of course it cannot be that but pray pardon these unpleasant interruptions julia and relieve me from suspense at once say tell me dearest one will you will you consent to be mine oh sir christopher what do you ask murmured miss mordaunt as if there were anything extraordinary or unexpected in the question what do i ask repeated the enamoured knight i ask you to bestow upon me this fair hand how can i refuse you sir christopher sighed the lady you are so killing am i dearest ejaculated the knight and encouraged more than ever by this assurance he boldly kissed his companion but almost immediately a cry of agony burst from his lips and starting up from the sofa he exclaimed my leg my leg the the devil's in it and that's the fact the fact was however somewhat different for mr frank curtis having very quietly and deliberately taken his breastpin from the frill of his shirt was amusing himself with the very pleasant pastime of thrusting the point into his uncle's leg on the third occasion of the application of the aforesaid breastpin sir christopher started up and danced about the room while miss mordaunt who was most anxious to bring the delicate topic of discourse to such a point that she might satisfy herself as to the very day on which she was to change her condition endeavoured to her utmost to console him convinced that the pain he experienced could be nothing more than some sudden but very galling spasmodic attack neither sir christopher nor julia entertained the least thought of looking beneath the sofa they therefore reseated themselves upon it and continued their tender discourse and when shall it be asked sir christopher taking it for granted that it was to be whenever that is so soon i mean when you choose murmured miss mordaunt 
but you will communicate your intentions to my brother who obtained his captaincy a few days ago and whom i must consult and why consult him asked sir christopher a misgiving entering his mind oh he might i do not say that he will but he might object answered miss mordaunt then perhaps you wish me to state my views to my nephew also said the knight somewhat testily as he might also object but a nephew sir christopher urged the lady a nephew is not a brother very true replied blunt as if some grand truth had just been made apparent to him and yet it appears julia he added in a coaxing tone that we have each a relation to whom we would rather not mention the matter until after it was over oh you killing man what would you have me understand by that remark cried miss mordaunt simply that we should should what dear sir christopher should be married privately or run away to gretna green answered the knight and now the truth is out oh naughty naughty man exclaimed julia casting on her swain one of her most bewitching smiles but at the same time she imagined to herself all the excitement attending a runaway match to gretna the rapidity of travelling the bustle that would be excited at the wayside inns the sensation that must arise in the fashionable world the paragraphs in the newspapers the eclat attached to such a proceeding and the importance with which her reappearance in town after the union would be attended of all this she thought and the knight's proposal was therefore most welcome to her for while she contemplated the agreeable side of the picture she never once reflected on the ridicule and absurdity that must attach themselves to such a step on the part of two persons of the respective ages of sir christopher blunt and herself well dearest what are you thinking of asked the knight of what you were saying dear sir christopher murmured the lady in a languishing tone then how shall it be a private marriage or gretna the arrangements for a private marriage might be suspected sighed julia casting down her eyes and managing a blush which was respectable enough seeing that it scarcely came voluntarily to her aid just my opinion ejaculated sir christopher i would not have that prying nephew of mine frank curtis the young scapegrace getting a hint of it beforehand for any money nor would i wish my brother to know of it until it is all over dear sir christopher returned julia then be it gretna exclaimed the knight and now when shall it take place i could not say to-day sir christopher but to-morrow to-morrow murmured the lady in a faint tone as if quite overpowered by the importance of the step she was about to take but which she would willingly have taken long before had the proposal been made to her to-morrow she added i shall be prepared to i understand you my angel interrupted the knight and this time he caught the lady fairly in his arms and subjected her to a process of hearty kissing mr frank curtis had in the meantime restored his breastpin to the frill of his shirt for since the conversation had turned upon a regular elopement the matter had become far too serious for him to trifle with he suddenly found himself menaced with something bordering on total disinheritance in respect to his uncle's property for even if this projected union should yield no issue still the lady might obtain so much influence over the knight as to induce him to will all his fortune to herself 
frank was therefore in rather an unpleasant state of mind as well as being in an uneasy predicament under the sofa he nevertheless saw that cunning must be met with cunning and he now lay as quiet as a mouse in order to avoid detection but he vowed seriously that the moment he should escape from the kind of prison in which he found himself he would not let the grass grow under his feet ere he adopted measures to defeat the matrimonial scheme of sir christopher blunt and miss julia mordaunt at length to his unspeakable relief the knight took his leave of miss mordaunt after having settled the hour and place where they were to meet on the following evening sir christopher being gone julia also left the room and poor charlotte who had been on the tenterhooks of suspense and alarm ever since frank curtis had first entered the house now hurried to the parlour wondering how he could possibly have managed to avoid an exposure but when she entered the room and perceived no one she was more astonished still her surprise was not however of long duration for curtis having peeped through the fringe and ascertained who the newcomer was suddenly emerged from his hiding-place oh dear me sir exclaimed the young woman what a fright i have been in to be sure and what a pickle i have been in cried frank sulkily you cannot say that it was my fault sir observed charlotte reproachfully nor more i do my dear answered curtis warming himself into a better humour by means of a kiss or two on the lady's maid's red lips but i say my dear he continued after a few moments dalliance of that sort you must come to meet me this evening because independent of my desire to chat with you and all that sort of thing you can be of service to me lord sir cried charlotte astonished at this intimation indeed you can but i must not stay to explain myself now returned curtis here my dear take these five guineas as an earnest of what i will do for you and mind and be punctual in conduit street at seven o'clock this evening i shall not fail sir replied charlotte and in the meantime added frank watch miss mordaunt well don't ask me any questions now i will tell you all about it this evening but mind you watch her and if possible get into conversation with her should she ask you to do her any service no matter of what kind promise her that you will and leave the rest to me do you hear yes sir and i will do as you tell me was the answer well then that's right said curtis and now let me see if i can't slip out without running plump up against one of your liveried flunkies here wait an instant cried charlotte and she disappeared from the room closing the door carefully behind her in a few moments she returned with the welcome tidings that the coast was clear and frank curtis succeeded in quitting lady hatfield's house without being perceived by any one save the faithful charlotte End of section nineteen